Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings and chapter number 3. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 3. We're still continuing with the life and ministry of King Solomon. And we saw this morning as Solomon had separated himself for the purpose of seeking after God. That he went to a place that was sanctified and set apart where Solomon could get alone with God. He took the time that was necessary, even weeks to get a hold of God. And then he... It cost him financially that he was willing to sacrifice. And all of this was for the purpose of getting a hold of the Lord. When the Lord responded to him, God gave him a blank check that Solomon, you ask whatever you want and I'll be glad to give it to you. And we also were reminded this morning that God has also given us that blank check, that we have the freedom to go to God in prayer anytime we want. Amen. And that we could ask freely and boldly to his throne room of grace. And out of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, he could have asked for health. He could have asked for long life. He could have asked for finances. He could have asked for his enemies to be dealt with. What he prayed for was an understanding heart and discernment. Discernment. Now we understand that Solomon is considered the wisest man who ever lived. And we understand that discernment goes along with wisdom. That discernment is seeing not only where I'm at, but where I'm going. The decisions that I make, that I have lined up, where are they going to lead me? When I have those lined up for me, I now make a choice based off the information given to me, and now I live my heart to wisdom. So we understand that if you're going to be a wise person, it starts with discernment. This is why discernment is a key thing. We understand that Solomon did get wisdom, but the wisdom came from his discernment. Now, whenever you ask something like discernment from the Lord, you will be tested. And immediately right after this, Solomon now has his biggest test to date. And it is a public test. It is not a private test. It is to display to everyone, does Solomon truly have an understanding heart? Does Solomon have discernment? So with this, notice with me as we see this case presented to Solomon, 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, and notice with me in verse 16. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 16. And there came two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after I delivered that this woman was delivered also, and we were together, and there was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night, because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight, and took my son from beside me, while thy handmaiden slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose up in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, nay, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son. And this said, no, but the dead is thy son and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, the one saith that this is my son that liveth and the thy son is the is the dead and the other saith nay but thy son is the dead and my son is the living and the king said bring me a sword and they brought a sword before the king and the king said divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other then spake the woman whose living child was <coughs> unto the king for her bowels yearned unto her son and she said oh my lord Give her the living child, and no wise slay it. 
But the other said, let it be either neither mine nor thine, but divide it. And the king answered and said, give her the living child and no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all of Israel heard of the judgment and the king, <laughs> which the king had judged. And they feared Solomon for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Notice if you don't mind, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, a phrase that we find in 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 28, notice what it says, the wisdom of God was in him. The wisdom of God was in him. And with this, we want to understand and learn more about Solomon, a little bit more about what a discerning person is with this idea, the wisdom of God was in him. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would give us grace and mercy, that you would give us understanding. For me, myself, I know I need strength beyond measure right now that I have none of myself. But I could trust you to get your own work accomplished. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a mind. Give me the heart. Give me the strength to do what you've given me to do. Lord, I can't even trust my own intellect, but I could trust you. So I'm asking that I empty myself of you. You fill me with your spirit. You get your own work accomplished because these are your people. And they don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. And that you would use this to help develop us into being discerning people. Thank you even now for your help, for the expected answer to prayer, and for how you are going to work within these lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Immediately, as Solomon has talked to the Lord and God has granted his, his prayer request, for wisdom, for discernment, for an understanding heart, it is going to be put to the test. And what a test is it? Now, of course, this becomes one of the most famous tests in all of history. That 3,000 years later, even people who are not familiar with the Bible know of this example. It is just listed as one of the greatest examples in the Bible of anybody with wisdom. Now, of course, it's so overused that people use it flippantly. They're so familiar with it. But may I say this passage is still a wow passage. Imagine if you wouldn't mind, you're in charge. And this court case is brought to you. Now at this time, they have divided up the kingdom. So the king is the Supreme Court. They have lesser courts. They have other things that deal with lesser matters. But this has been passed up the chain. And could you imagine why? Would you like to make the ruling on this one? To be able to deal with two ladies? And by the way, as impassionately as we read this, there is tears, there's crying, there's Claws getting ready to be extended. Whenever you start messing with someone's child, you understand that there's going to be passions here. This is not going to be a nice recorded uh, dictation speech read. They are tears and upset. There's a lot of things to go discerning with. And so here's the court case that is brought up. That there are two women, they're made of harlots. We understand <laughs> that these back in the ancient world, that there were several different reasons why people would become harlots. It could be that they were just sold into slavery. It could be that they had been put that way for the idea of a worship of some fertility goddess. They could have been put there for the idea that they were widows and they had to do something to survive. It could have been that they were just pouring out in the street. and trying. Whatever the situation, this is their status. They're harlots. Now, why is this so significant? Because they're bringing the case before the king and we're going to watch how the king deals with these lowly ladies of ill repute. So in this, because of the ladies and where they're at, for safety's sake, they've learned how to be roommates. So here are two ladies that for safety, they've been living together. Uh, <coughs> one lives in one room, one lives in the other. And as time passed, both of them happened to have a child near about the same age. And so you can imagine there could have been rejoicing, people are happy, and now they've got to take care of these kids. But a tragedy hit one night, according to the report of one, that while one lady was sleeping, she had the baby sleeping with her in the bed, she turned over, overlaid, and the baby passed during the night. That's a heartbreaking thing of anybody. 
And according to the report that was given that the lady whose child died looks at her child and she comes up with a plan. She sneaks into her friend's room, places the dead child in the arms of the other mother, takes the living child and brings it back with her. So now the mother wakes up and finds a dead child. She tries to get the baby to suck and it doesn't and she checks and no life signs and as the sun begins to rise and light begins to fill the room, she realizes this isn't my kid. May I make a little remark here? You would know if it's your kid or not. And so she realizes what happened. She stole my baby. This isn't mine. What, and now you have two ladies fighting over the child. And it's now a he said, she said, or she said, she said. May I remind you that at this time, there's no DNA test. At this time, there's no one else living in the house. So the neighbors couldn't be a help to exactly say this is her child. This is not. To have them tortured or be put on a rack would be barbarous, especially for the innocent mother. How do you discern? You can't torture them. How do you find out who is telling the truth when it's a he said, she said? No medical test. This is a big deal. Everyone's now looking to Solomon. Solomon, you're supposed to be the wisest man. Solomon, you're now the king. Solomon, we put you to the test. Can you solve this case? How do you solve this case? Aren't you glad it's not you? How do you figure this out? I meant, do you go with the one who cries the most? Do you go with the one that decided to dress up for court? Do you go with the one that has the best speech? Do you go with the one that hired the best lawyer? How do you solve a case like this? Well, may I say discernment is what was needed. Discernment that comes from God. And with this, as we study Solomon here, we're going to learn that there are several traits a discerning person will have. If we want discernment, there are certain qualities that have to be present in us if we are going to be discerning people. So here's the court case. Here is Solomon. Let's see the traits that we find in Solomon to help them to make a correct ruling and see if these things could be placed within us so we too can become discerning people. The very first thing I'd like to bring to your attention is that discerning people are listeners. Discerning people are listeners. It's interesting to note that the ladies are speaking from verses 17 to 22. Solomon says verse 23. These ladies are speaking and they are very passionate. They are upset. There is a lot of things going on. May I also remind you the players in here? You have Solomon the king who is smart educated, trained, and you have two harlots who are very much lower of status, very much not in the same um, social class, not in the idea that they don't have the wealth that Solomon has. And you know what Solomon did? He listened. He listened. Discerning people are listening people. When people speak, you begin to listen to the things that they are saying and listen to different things that they put in their conversation. Discerning people don't try to answer a matter right away. Part of our problem because of pride is that we know the answers. We know everything. And it's very hard to tell someone who knows everything something. As soon as someone starts speaking, oh, I already know the answer, you know, just talk, go, let me just enter. We need to let people speak. Discerning people are listening people. Part of the main reason why we have so few discerning people is we have so few people who are willing to listen. Shut up. Keep your mouth shut. 
Let them talk. People will often tell on themselves. If you could let me pause for a second. Tonight, I'm going to give you a lot of behind the curtains tricks of the ministry, if you call it tricks, but it's the idea of being discerning. Part of it is you let people talk. You will find out lots of interesting things. Just shut up. Let people talk. People, a lot of people can't stand silence. They get uncomfortable. And so if you're quiet, they feel like they have to fill in the void and they start talking. And you begin to learn a lot of information from them. But to be able to listen to them, hear what they're saying. Don't just be quiet and plan what you're going to tell them in your head. You're not listening. Listen to what they say. Find out more about that. Sometimes ask questions to make sure you're prompting them. Allow them to speak. Learn to listen. One of the biggest reasons that keeps people from being discerning people is that we are no longer listeners. Discerning people learn to listen. And so Solomon listened. Now, remember, Solomon was king. He could have shut this down anytime. Just That's enough. Done. We're done. He could have thought he knew everything before they were done. Listen, all right, I've heard enough. Let me give my ruling. He could have just said, listen, I don't have time for this. Here's what I say to do. But discerning people don't automatically assume they have the answers. They're open to listen to people so they could try to discern what is going on. Which will bring me to a second thing. Not only are discerning people listeners, but discerning people understand people lie. Discerning people understand people lie. In this account, someone was lying. Now, may I put an emphasis here that the Bible doesn't say who. It doesn't say which one was a liar. It never points it out. Solomon was there and he was able to say, you are the liar, you're the mother. But the Bible doesn't make it clear for us. We don't know. But one of them was lying. And a discerning people understand people lie. Everyone gives a salesman version all the time. It could be that some little girl is twiddle-pated with some guy. And the guy has sold her a salesman version. He looks nice. He's actually shaved and put on deodorant, took his monthly shower, and he looks and smells good at the moment. And he's going to keep that version on until he's got her, and then he doesn't have to keep that version up anymore. And you find out, well, this guy had lots of flaws. How come I didn't see it? Because he was a salesman. By the way, we all do that. Right? They you know, tell you to put your best foot forward. <laughs> People lie. People will often tell you a story because they want you on their side and they'll leave out some details. Sometimes important details. They will use guile. Guile is in the, in the idea of deception family. It carries the idea of telling the story in such a way that you make yourself look better or make someone else look worse. Sometimes they won't get to the heart of the matter. They're trying to get you to agree to their course of action. And they're only telling you the stuff to help you out with a course of action. People are liars. Now again, pride gets involved in this. We get to the place because of pride and hubris that we actually feel like people won't lie to us. We know people are liars. They won't lie to me. They told me the truth. Discerning people understand people are liars. People tell lies. We have to be able to listen and then be able to discern that. You know, people are liars. People are like, wait a second, I didn't expect this. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17 that our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our own hearts will lie to us. But people have in their mind sometimes that, sure, people are liars, but never lie to me. Maybe I give an example. 
By the way, as I lead this up to us, you were a liar. Remember when you were in trouble, when you were a kid, teenager, that you did something sinful, A, sinful, B, stupid, C, dumb, or D, all of the above, right? And then you had kids, and guess what? They do A, sinful, B, stupid, C, dumb, or D, all of the above. We all do that, all of us. And we try to cover it up and try to whatever, but we're all sinners and liars who are getting in trouble. We, blanket statement, we all understand that. So what happens is a pastor has to go talk to some parents, Christian school. I'm glad I'm not in a Christian school anymore. And go talk to the kids, parents, and say, we have a 127 ear witnesses and 197 eyewitnesses that your daughter did this. And the parents will say, but my girl told me she didn't do it and she'll never lie to me. <laughs> you know, we have this hubris that people won't lie to us. Discerning people understand that people lie. That's not being mean. It's being honest. People lie. People become very gullible because they think people won't lie to them. Listen, man, I'm going through some hard times. I'll give a story. I was in Tennessee, and being a church, we often get calls for um, help and assistance. And food is always one I'm sensitive of. People ask for food, I usually get ready to help out. I had a guy call once and he already passed a couple of my check marks and trying to discern him. And he's like, man, I'm so sorry. I, I'm so embarrassed. I never called churches for this. I'm just in a desperate situation right now and I need help. I just need some food. Can you, can you please, can you, can you help me out? And you know, and it's sounding good. Well, I don't want to say no if they're really desperate. So, you know, as before we had cell phones and texting, so write a message to my wife, you know, start preparing staple foods, you know, and we're always sensitive. So if the church doesn't have money, we would sometimes just get it of our own money and make sure they have it. And so as I'm getting information down and telling my wife to start getting ready to preparing what we have, getting stuff down, I said, yeah, we could get some staple food. We could run it over, you know, let me get your address and let me find the stuff. And he says, wait, wait, wait a second. He says, I'm hoping that maybe you could do something a little bit better than staple food. Okay, well, this is interesting where this is going to turn to. I said, what are you looking for? What's going on? He says, well, I think I should probably be honest is that we're having a big party over at my house and I don't have anything to bring and I'm kind of embarrassed. So I was wondering if you could pick up some chicken wings and some jalapeno poppers and some other things here. So that way uh, I, I, I look like I have something for this party. People are liars. And we have to discern that they will try to take you on this trip. You know, we had in Tennessee Bible Belt, so there's lots of churches. We'd have the people that would make their calls through the phone book. When you, you still remember phone books, some of you, right? You had yellow pages, go to churches, and you start going to alphabetical order and calling down the list. And I think there was one year that we were listed twice. <laughs> and so they would call and give a sob story. And they go down and get some more and then get us again. And it'd be the same person. And they wouldn't know that it was still me. <laughs> it's always interesting to see what they would say. People are liars. And, and I'm not trying to say that we, we, you know, we're not supposed to be cynical and just say, forget it. All people are liars. I'm not helping anybody out. But we do understand people are liars. And if we're going to have discernment, we understand that they're going to lie. And if we want to find out the truth, we have to listen and really depend upon the Lord because they're going to try to sell you something. They'll smile at you. So how's your Bible reading? It's great. How's your prayer life? Wonderful. And you know they're not. May I just pull the thing? All right. My wife's laughing. We've got so many illustrations. So how's your Bible reading? Great. Where are you reading at? Well, I'm in Psalms. 
If people tell me they're in Psalms and it's always in Psalms, that means they're not reading their Bible. It's their default answer. Then we usually frame this. You guys know my wife will ask this quite often to you ladies and I follow up. What's God speaking to you? And if the answer is patience, they're not reading their Bible. I've been in this too long. People lie. We just understand. And by the way, is people in God's work, you smile and nod. Okay, I, I, I know where you're at now. That's cool. <laughs> Help yourself. So some traits of discerning people that we're seeing in here is that discerning people are listeners. They listen. Discerning people understand people lie. Discerning people understand how to frame arguments. Discerning people understand how to frame arguments. <laughs> Verse number uh, 23. Then said the king. So the ladies speak from verses 17 to 22. Verse 23, then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth, and thy son is dead. The other saith, nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. What he did is he framed all of their argument. What took them all of those verses to say he said in one verse. Discerning people are able to boil it down and what is the big idea? What is the one thing that they are getting across? And to be able to state it back to them. All right, if I understand what you just told me, this, without the fluff, without all the other stuff, boil it down, can you get the one statement? By the way, I try to develop discernment with you guys. That when we uh, preach a message, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you please mark this thing? And oftentimes that's the big idea of the passage. With the idea that everything that we're preaching is to go to this one idea. So when you are done, you should be able to say, what I learned from church today is... Now, <laughs> part of being discerning people is that there's a lot of fluff out there. Do you know that there's sometimes that preachers that have fluff? That I can't tell you, I've been to a message and watching people hooping and hollering and swinging off the chandeliers and, Amen, preacher! Amen! And going through this, and at the very end, I look at my notes and go, we didn't get anything. That was nothing but air. I mean, it was, you know, cotton candy. I mean, it, it was great. It sounded good. I mean, give you a little sugar fix, but it didn't help me grow. I mean, you know what I mean, that if we are going to feed Krista, my daughter, cotton candy for like a full week, she would not be strong. She needs substance. I mean, that sweets is nice, but you need substance. <laughs> Paul Swanky, uh, he was saying it, that happens in books. He says, not like I have a book that has three pages of content and 176 pages worth of words. There's a lot of filler that people give. Can you frame it? Discerning people learn how to bring it down into a concise statement. In fact, in uh, some of the classes I take as a chaplain for working with people who are in shock or traumatic incidents, this is one of the big listening skills they work on us about. Can I take and repeat what they said in a concise way? So if I understand what you just told me is that you feared for your life in that situation and you're still, and it's still with you. So they've gone through all of this stuff. Can I frame it down to a small statement like that? Does it make sense? Discerning people learn how to do that. Learn how to bring it down into a concise statement. That's part of listening skills. Understanding that they are going to have lots of fluff. Can I bring it down to one concise statement? He was able to bring it down and by the way, that's a big thing because again, as I said, these ladies are crying. They're, they're probably being held back. I mean, if someone had <clears throat> replaced your baby in the middle of the night, do you think that you would have some feelings for it? Absolutely. 
But what if it was the other way? What if it was some lady who lost her baby and she is trying to publicly kidnap your baby, legally steal your baby away? Do you think you would have some feelings over that? Absolutely. So these ladies are not having civil conversation. Solomon has to be able to listen to what they say and say, if I understand what you told me right, you said this and you said this. This is the argument here. Which child is which? To be able to bring it down to a statement and to be able to state it in such a way that is this what you said? Oh yeah, that, that's exactly what I said. That's part of developing discernment. You should learn to do that with your listening skills. If you listen to someone, then can you be able to take what they said, put it in a concise statement and say, if I understood you right, this is what you told me. And if they say yes, then you know that you've at least got that skill down. If not, then you know to work on some of that listening a little bit to be able to clarify. Does that make sense? But that's part of what discerning people can do is to be able to frame the statement in down. A fourth thing that we see here that not only discerning people, listeners, discerning people understand, people lie, discerning people understand how to frame arguments, but discerning people will test those statements. Discerning people will test, put them to the test. Now, Solomon says, go grab the sword. So they're going to put him to the test. All right, let's see your statements. You said that you're the mother. You said you're the mother. Let's put it to the test. Do you understand that if we're going to be discerning people because people are liars, because there's a lot of fluff, we have to put those statements to the test. For example, I heard of a story once of a... um, Four teenagers who were late to school for a test. And when the teacher looked at them and said, hey, why are you late? Well, I have a flat tire. Well, that's a valid thing if you got a flat tire that's late. She goes, okay, that's good. I want um, you to go over there, face that way. You go over there, face this one. You go over there, face this one. All right, here's a sheet of paper. Put your name at the top. Here's a test. One question. What tire was it? If it was true, they should all have the same answer. There are times that even for a valid thing, I have a flat tire. You need to put it to the test. Discerning people understand you have to put it to the test. Now, revealing a little bit from the curtain, I put people to the test all the time. You sit and talk with me. Oftentimes there will be a test that follows. You don't even know it's a test just to see if you're real. For example, repeated test. (coughs) I'll go visit someone's house. Maybe they've been disgruntled, whatever else. Good. So you haven't been in church for a while. No, 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 no. But I'm right with God. Oh, cool, cool, cool. How's your Bible reading? I'm I'm doing fine, doing great. Great, wonderful. How's your prayer life? Oh, it's good. I'm so close to God. Good. Let's pray now. Go ahead. You know, if people are as close to God with them right now, they don't have any problems going straight to pray and talking to the Father. But if they've been away from the Lord for a while, you know, it's kind of awkward to go, Dad, I'm, I'm home. It's been a while. I found the keys. You understand. There's that awkwardness when people really haven't had close communion with God in a while and they look and go, oh. Or when people really try to pretend to be spiritual. And uh, put him to the test. Oh, if you're really spiritual, here you go. (laughs) What's this? Put him to the test. You understand, this is just normal. Law enforcement are taught all the time to watch people. They watch for micro expressions. They watch for people, how they respond. They're always evaluating and putting him to the test. There is a reason why lie detectors work for the most part. Because there are certain things that will be true. Liars will often have dry throats. They swallow a lot when they're making up story. Even their countenance, their micro expressions, the way that they turn their eyes and they look or uh, (laughs) the way they lean forward or they lean back. I'm not going to tell you which one's which now. But police and law enforcement are trained when they're talking to someone to be looking at their whole body language. 
How are they leaning? How are they standing? I mean, we had a complete course of just seeing when someone's sitting, how their toes are facing, how their body thing is. If they're sheltering, if they're open, you know, there's all those things that are part of that course. Why? Because people need to be put to the test. Do you think people lie to the police? And do you think that they need a lot of discernment to see if this guy is telling me the truth or not? Absolutely. This is part of discerning people is that you have to put it to the test. They have to be tested on this. God puts us to the test. We saw that in Sunday school this morning in James. That, hey, I want to be spiritual right with God. God says, all right, great. Here's a test. Let's see where you're at. We said that this morning. Solomon asked for discernment. Guess what's going to happen? A test. There's the evidence is that true. Discerning people learn how to put it to the test to be able to see if it's true or not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I really want to go to church. What would stop you from coming Sunday? I mean, normally we get, yeah, yeah, I'll come to church sometime. Great, great. What would stop you from coming Sunday? And they got to try to think of an excuse or whatever. You watch them try to plan. You see if they really wanted to come to church or if they were just talking. Does it make sense? Put them in the test. I mean, we do that all the time. What would stop you from coming with me? If I came by on Sunday and let you follow me to church, what would stop you? You start to find out if they're honest or not. If they have a legitimate thing, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm working Sunday morning. Well, what about Sunday night? What would stop you from coming Sunday night? Well, ball game's on. I appreciate your honesty. At least you know where they're at, but there was a test there, right? I'm really, really spiritual. Okay, here's a test. Let's see where you're doing. I'm not bitter. Okay, good. Can you pray for that person then? Put them to the test. Oh, I really love the Lord. I, all right, you guys are going to find my things. I really love the Lord. Well, Jesus said, if you love me. So you know what I'm going to have them do? See if they'll obey something. I really love the Lord. Okay, well, the Bible says this. Will you be willing to do this? Now, we're getting good laughs, and rightfully so, but what we're trying to do is understand we want you to be discerning people. And discerning people will put it to the test. And Solomon does that. Part of that test is that discerning people will do the unexpected. Discerning people will do the unexpected. Now, I'm not talking about being crazy or whatnot. Here are these two ladies. They are expecting Solomon to look at, hear their story, and then say, you are the mother, you're not the mother. And so let's imagine that one of them's a liar. One of them is a liar. And do you think that going up to face Solomon, that's a pretty daunting thing anyways. Do you think that she's already practiced her lines? Do you think that she's already figured out what she's going to say if this happens? And if they ask me this, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, that's called lawyer prep. Don't lawyers take their witnesses and say, all right, this is what we're expecting you to ask them. Let's prepare you for it, right? That is that's part of it. And so there's that preparation with it. Well, discerning people understand that we need something to get them off script. So Solomon says, bring out the sword. And so they bring in, I can imagine two people bringing in this huge broadsword, bringing in. And now no one's looking at the harlots. <laughs> no one's They're all looking at the sword. What's going on? What's happening here? Now they're thrown off their game a little bit. And the purpose is, is because who you really are is what's going to eventually show up. If you're trying to stay on script and then someone throws away the script, now you got to figure out what am I going to do? And it's going to trip people up. It's going to Cause them to reveal who they really are, what they really think. Does that make sense? That was the whole part of this was King Solomon getting discernment. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to take the baby. We're going to cut the baby in half. You get half, you get half. Everyone's happy, right? 
I mean, now you get to reveal what's going on with a true expression, which brings me to this last thing about discerning. Discerning people know human character will reveal itself. Discerning people will understand that human character will reveal itself. It is very hard when people are lying and they're trying to cover up sin, their thinking is off. Their thinking is not right. Their thinking is not natural. All right? And we see that with this lady here. So Solomon says, all right, what we're going to do? We're going to cut the baby in half. You get half, you get half. Everyone's happy. All right? Everyone gets part of a child. Well, the real mother says, whoa, whoa, wait a second. No, 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 no. Listen, let her have the baby. Just don't kill it, please. And she does that because there's something about a mother's instinct. She would rather let the baby live and her lose the baby or (laughs) her lose custody and let the child live than let the baby just die. We could figure something else out. As long as the baby's alive, we could figure something else out. But the other lady who is not thinking right, remember, she lost her child. That's a legitimate grief. She's brokenhearted. And now she's trying to lie, whether side she's on, she's trying to get someone else's baby. She's been trying to carry on this lie and not only carry on this lie, carrying it on in public. And not only carry it on in public, carry it on in front of Solomon who's staring at her. I mean, would you like Solomon's gaze to be looking at you? We'll get into this in just a second. To be this one that looks and seems to know everything about you. Woo, I don't want him looking at me. And she's been trying to keep this up. And so now, because her thinking is not natural, I mean, what person in their right mind would want to see a child die? None. But because she's not in her right mind, because she's been covering up sin, sure, go ahead, let's chop the child in half. That sounds good to me. You see that betrayed her. She's carrying on a part. A huge, normal person in the right mind, even if it wasn't her child, wouldn't want to see the baby die. But because it's unexpected, because it threw her off script, that human nature will reveal itself. And by the way, discerning people will watch and people's character will come out. They can only do a salesman version for so long and it will be revealed. They'll relax their guards. They will be revealed. Be sure your sin will find you out. It will be betray you some way or another. People can try to pretend to be spiritual all they want, but it will be revealed. Absolutely. (laughs) These are things to develop because we want discernment. (laughs) You know, people will think they could get away with things. And they may be able to fool some people. I, again, forgive me, maybe hubris and pride. I don't believe that people could get away with lies uh, too often with me. I could catch them. I may not point them out. I could catch them. I kind of see where they're at. It's part of practicing discernment, seeing where they're at, put them to the test, seeing where they're at. I don't have to point them out. That's, nobody wants their stuff pointed out all the time, but which should be something we develop is discernment to be able to, to watch them and put this out. But that's part of what discerning people have. And we should be discerning people because we have to deal with people. Now, this isn't the idea course of how to catch, catch people in the act. But we have to understand that we deal with people all the time. Coworkers, bosses, family. And we need to have discernment because we want to help them out. If they're in sin, we want to know about it so we can help them. If they need to get something right, we want to be able to help them. Does that make sense? It's the idea that we're counseling someone. They have to be honest with themselves. If they're not right with the Lord, we have to bring them to the place where they want to be right with the Lord. We have to be discerning, if nothing else, for our own sake. So what's the end result? What happens when someone becomes a discerning person? Notice with me verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged. May I pause? 3,000 years, we're still talking about it. 
3,000 years, this is still the go-to idea about true wisdom that the world still uses. This is a big deal. And all of Israel heard the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king. Why did they fear the king? For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Oh, man, I don't want Solomon looking at me. Why? Because I know I'm guilty. I know that I messed up. You know, there's something about discerning people is that people who are trying to get away with stuff, they don't like discerning people. There's something about it. But if we're to be discerning people, God puts a wisdom there. And for unjust things, God will expose it and discover it. It is something, it is healthy inside of a church to have people that are discerning. It keeps wolves from being developed. It helps people from trying to uh, take over and draw away disciples unto themselves. It helps us from being taken aback. I mean, imagine a church, there's a lot of trust that goes involved. There's finances. There's the idea of counseling. There's the idea of helping people. There's the idea of dealing with children. There's a lot of discernment. But remember, as I said this morning, that God wants us to help develop discernment because one day we're going to judge nations. One day we are going to be able to judge even between angels. And God tells us that we need to develop this judgment now. That's one of the reasons why in the book of Corinthians, God forbids church, um, uh, church members suing other church members. Why go take it to a secular court when you should be able to judge the matter between yourselves? The idea that we should be able to solve issues between ourselves. Now, I understand that, you know, some churches, you know, are perfect. But could you imagine that in some church somewhere that uh, I know it may be highly improbable and unimaginable that some church member will get upset with another church member? How do you deal with that? Do you just let them fight? I mean, what do you do? What do you do when you have, all right, we need new carpet. So we're going to make a stupid mistake and we're going to vote on the carpet. And then you have the blue carpet versus the red carpet and the blue purple carpet versus the polka dot poke. And you know, they start getting in factions and the red carpet people join with the purple and they begin to fight and then they blow up church and they have the church of the purple carpet and the church of the blue carpet. Does that happen? Absolutely. Could it be prevented? Yes. By discerning people. And we should learn how to be discerning people. How to be able to deal with conflict. How to be able to deal with issues. How to be able to deal with sin. How to be able to deal with things that come up. We should be a discerning people to be able to handle that so we don't have to go to a secular court to do so. Does that make sense? We should be able to discern in how to solve issues between ourselves. Or if there's any dispute that we should be able to handle with discernment, with wisdom. And a church that practices discernment and wisdom, not just from the pastor, but as a whole, let me tell you, that becomes such a beacon in the community. That's a church that's wise. That's a church that's trustworthy. That's a church that you know, that becomes such a testimony. It becomes a great light. It begins a place where people feel like they can trust. You know, we live in a world full of liars, right? And so people have a hard time telling the truth about themselves because they can't trust the other liars. But to have a place where people say they have wisdom and they have discernment, people feel like they can get the help that they need. So you understand this isn't the idea of where we're trying to expose evildoers. This goes into a big realm of helping people and letting people feel like they will get the help that they need and that they could be honest and that we could discern and find out the truth. And maybe people don't even realize that there's something else going on and have someone help them out to find out what's the root cause. There's a lot to this. And we needed to learn to become discerning people and learn how to develop these skills within ourselves. Now, we understand discernment comes from God. But there are things we can work on. Can we work on becoming better listeners? Could we keep in mind that people do lie to us? Not that we're always accusing everyone of lying, but we understand it's within the realm of possibility. Even if they're lying, can people lie to themselves? 
and believe what they're telling us? Absolutely. Can, we could learn how to frame arguments. That's part of a skill that you develop is, you know, can I boil this down to one thing? So the preacher preached today. What was the big idea? What, what was the thing you got from it? You should be able to frame that into a clear, concise statement. We usually try to do it at an invitation because of what you heard. This is what you should do. But can you do that? We develop that. We have to understand that there are tests and we have to learn how to test people. We understand that <laughs> these things will happen. We need discernment because we deal with people every day. None of you are hermits. As much as some of you might like to be, none of you are hermits. We have to deal with people. And we need to deal with people with wisdom. And God could grant us that discernment and grant us that wisdom. And we could do our part of helping develop discernment within ourselves. Remember, we get more discernment by exercising discernment. We need to become discerning people if we will survive the world we live in. And we need to. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.